0: Time this year or next, you begin to plan your first ever Disney trip. You've been saving up for a couple of years, and the kids are the perfect age. They're not in strollers anymore, but they're young enough to still want to travel with you and be known with you in public. And so you've been working for this for a while, and you put it out on Facebook that you're planning your first ever Disney trip. Heaven help you, because here's what's going to happen. There are some people in your life, and they're well-intentioned, but they're crazy as the day is long. And they actually believe that the Magic Kingdom is the happiest place on earth. And when they find out that you are planning your first trip to take the family to Disney World or Disneyland, they are going to bombard you with what they think is helpful advice. And but and and a lot of what they have to say is helpful because the the Magic Kingdom is so expansive that you know depending on how much time you have to spend there, that your experience really will matter on what track you choose and what kingdoms you go to and where you stay and. And so it's helpful to talk to these folks. But what they don't realize that they carry with them, it's like a contagion, is this unbridled, wacky enthusiasm. It's like they're too excited. It's almost like you want to look at them and say, you're not going with me. Like, this is for my family. But where this enthusiasm comes from is because during their times with their families, they've had such powerful times together as a family. They've had so much fun that they can't help but have this enthusiasm leak over into their everyday life. And it it gets completely uncorked when they hear that you are going for the first time. Because they know what to expect. They've been to the kingdom. Possibly they've been to the kingdom many times. And they can't wait for your family to experience a percentage of what they have experienced. And this is the source of their enthusiasm. But it's going to strike you as odd. Because you've never been. You've never had that experience. I worked for many years with a, a person that I truly love to this day on the planet and she actually looked me in the eye one time and said that it is only at the magic kingdom and specifically one resort in particular overlooking a particular pond that she actually truly feels at peace and that her mind works the way that god intentioned it to work and she wasn't kidding she wasn't joking and that, that that's the kind of enthusiasm that people associate with their experiences with the mouse with the magic kingdom god help you trip, because you're going to experience the unbridled enthusiasm that friends in your life have for the experience that you're going to have, and maybe you'll go and have that kind of experience, and maybe you won't, but you're going to experience other people's unbridled enthusiasm about a kingdom that you have not experienced yet, and it strikes you as kind of odd. The past few weeks, I've been thinking and praying about what to present in the weeks leading up to Easter, and so in the weeks immediately preceding Easter, we're going to be talking about the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ will be on April 1st, which is Easter Sunday. The week before, we're going to be talking about the burial of Jesus. What was he doing while his body was in the ground, and why do we care? And why was the death of Jesus necessary? So that will be the weeks leading up to Easter. And where my heart kind of went and where my mind kind of went as I thought and I prayed about this week and next is I kind of wanted to jump into, Jesus knew he was going to his kingdom, right? In the weeks preceding his passion, his death, burial, and resurrection, he was planning for his return to his kingdom. He knew what to expect. He knew what he was going to experience. He knew what was normal, what he was going to experience the moment that he died and was back in the presence of his father. He had experienced eternity past in his Of time that he was on the planet, and so he knew the kind of experience that he was going to have. And he has an unbridled enthusiasm for a particular aspect of the kingdom that he shares with his disciples. So, this Sunday and next, we're going to be in John chapter 17. We're going to be focusing on the last few verses of that passage, specifically John 17, verses 20 through 26. This morning, I'm going to cover with you through verse 23. Next Sunday, I'm going to be traveling with my oldest son, who's on spring break. We're going to be traveling together, and so I will not be here. I have a friend of mine from High Point Church that will be preaching, and he'll be preaching part two of this message, and you're not going to want to miss it. He's a wonderful young man of God. You're going to truly enjoy hearing from him next week. And so we're kind of doing this message together, even though you've never met this guy. You're going to love it. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to John chapter 17 beginning in verse 20 because here's where Jesus' mind went as he was planning for his return to his kingdom. John chapter 17 is noticed in your Bible it's probably labeled Jesus' high priestly prayer. He intercedes, he, he begins the prayer by praying about himself and kind of just him talking with his dad he then begins to pray for the disciples and then what is truly amazing to me is his actual final moment of ministry, before he goes to the Mount of Olives, where he spends the next few hours in prayer, and and, and the scripture records that it was prayer that caused him great exertion, that uh, sweat like blood came from him. Of course, his apostles fell asleep during that time, and then Judas betrayed him. Before that all began, and the trials and the beatings leading to the crucifixion at about nine o'clock in the morning, Thursday. This is the last prayer that he prays with his disciples. It's his last moments in ministry. And it's important to understand where his heart is, where his mind is, as he is preparing to return to his kingdom. Listen who he begins to pray for, the last moments of Jesus' earthly ministry. Who is he focused on, and what is he sharing with them? John chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. Jesus is praying. I pray not only for these, referring to his disciples but also for those who believe in me through their message please understand this this morning the final moments of jesus's earthly ministry as he is preparing for his return to his heavenly father to experience his kingdom where he rightfully belongs and where he is right now he is praying for those who would respond to the disciples message of the gospel who is that us. This is how he wraps up his ministry on the planet, is praying for us, thinking about us, interceding before his heavenly father for you and for me, not his disciples, not himself, not for anybody who is on the planet at that time. But he begins to pray for what he knew was going to happen, which is that people were going to respond to the gospel message, which is that God is and that he cares and you can prove it by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that people would be bound together by that message and begin to form what you and I know as the church, the called out ones, the gathering. And he begins to pray for his church. It's so powerful. His preparations to return to his kingdom is he's praying for you, and he's praying for me. And the crazy thing about our friends' descriptions of the magical kingdom is and the crazy thing about what we're going to experience in the next few verses as we wrap up, as we explore, what Jesus is praying for you and me is that it sounds too good to be true. The happiest place on earth, really. You do realize you have plastic ears on your head right now. And this is what makes you, you have, I, I get it, the, the wristbands, they are magical. You can you can walk up to stuff and and, and, and they'll hand you things and you never have to get out your wallet. It's almost as magical as when you get the bill for those magical wristbands. But to be that dad that looks at your children and says, hey, if you feel like having a snack, go snack. And they can, it is a little bit magical, I get it, but so is the bill that comes with it. The problem that we have with the Magic Kingdom, until we've had a chance to make our own opinion about it, is that it sounds too good to be true. What Jesus is about to drop, It's nothing we would have asked for for ourselves, and yet he spends some time praying this for us. So let's jump into what he's actually praying for the church, picking up his prayer in verse 21. May they all be one. Okay, let's stop right there. That sounds too good to be true. Have you met yourselves? (laughs) May they all be one. Part of what makes the church so amazing is that we're so different. We all have different experiences. We all have different ideas about what it means to worship the Lord and how to engage with him. We all come from different family backgrounds. And it sounds too good to be true that the church would be known for being one. But this doesn't slow him down at all. In fact, he goes on. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us so the world may believe that you sent me. Are so pronounced. Our personalities are so pronounced. Our opinions are so pronounced. Our experiences are so pronounced that when we actually come together and act as one, it must be a Jesus thing, and the world says, I think I need to look into this. That's what he's saying here. May they be one, understanding that you created us to be different. There's never been anyone like you, there's never going to be anyone like you. We are in our own persons incredibly unique and special and cherished and loved. And the Bible actually teaches that we have our own set of spiritual gifts that nobody else has ever had our particular mix of before. That we have a calling on our lives to serve the kingdom of God through our local church. That nobody's ever had that exact blend of that calling before. Yet in that uniqueness, when we come together, it sends such a powerful message about the power of Jesus Christ. It's almost like the unity that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have experienced together from time immemorial until time ends and then beyond. This is what Jesus is praying, that the church, in all of our uniqueness and all of our idiosyncrasies and all of our personalities and all of our opinions, that when we come together, we would actually be known for being one in purpose and in intent, intent so powerfully that our community just can't help but say, God must be doing something if you take a bird's eye view of of what i now consider to be a normal sunday morning but let's say it's your first time witnessing what happens on a sunday morning and i've had people comment on this who have visited river church for the first time i've had people who have mentored me and coached me and helped support river church every once in a while they'll come and visit and they always say the same thing josh it's amazing how everything comes together and you don't say a word like i know 14 trailer that's sitting off campus somewhere, and it all ends up looking like what we consider to be normal. Every piece of equipment here, every piece of equipment out there, everything that the children are experiencing, the programming, and yet I don't say a word. And if you watch from a bird's eye view what we consider to be normal on a Sunday morning, you will see individuals going about their tasks, arriving early, and doing the different things, And nobody, you know, if they're saying anything, it's just kind of catching up with their friends. Nobody needs to be told. It all just kind of happens. How do you explain that? Well, obviously, there's been some training that has taken place. But the reason that the training has worked is because when the people come here early on a Sunday morning and stay late after church and, and put it all back in the trailer, the exact same way it came out. So that a different team can come next week. And there's no surprises for them in the trailer. It's amazing. The reason that it works is because when these people come together on a Sunday morning, they all have the same purpose, which is they want to honor and glorify Jesus Christ because he made a change in their life. And when you have somebody who's focused on that, when you have somebody who appreciates that, when you have somebody who understands what it means that Jesus left his kingdom where he was in perfect fellowship with his Father and the Holy Spirit, spent time on earth, and then returned to his kingdom and left the church as his presence on the planet through the power of the Holy Spirit, you got to do something about that. And what it actually looks like here, at least on a Sunday, is people who have responded personally to that message, who are knit together in their hearts because they hold the gospel in common. They want the community to see the power of their unity, even though they all come from different homes and different towns and have different tasks. You don't have to tell them what to do, any of it. Because that common vision, that common experience, that common power, that common response to the gospel unifies us powerfully. And it looks like magic to people who have never seen it before. Josh, you're not yelling at anybody. Well, I, sometimes I yell at people because I get such joy out of it that it, it makes me feel good to yell at people. So sometimes I do like to micromanage and yell. But the, I, I shouldn't be. This is me continuing to work out how I need to be a better pastor and a better leader. But normally, I don't say a word because they've been trained. Why are they trainable? Because their hearts are all in the same place. They're all here for the same reason. And let me tell you what's even more amazing than that is it's not just on a Sunday morning. River Church is active in different ways throughout the community throughout the week. And it looks like magic. Rehearsals happen. Events are coordinated. Dates are put on the calendar. Emails are made. Phone calls are made. We happen to know of a couple this morning that's not here because she's having a baby right now. And things because we all have the same response to the gospel and it unifies us and there's so much going on throughout the week that if you have this bird's eye view you begin to see this beautiful shape this beautiful pattern to it, this cohesiveness and what it is, is an individual's personal response to the gospel fellowship, feeling like they're actually serving the Lord as they serve their local church and this is what Jesus is praying for I pray that they may all be one Father are in me and I am in you may they also be one in us so the world may believe that you sent me it's powerful when we respond to the gospel as individuals and we begin to fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as we grow in our faith we begin begin to accept others who are not like us who have different opinions and personalities but because we share the gospel in common we work through those natural differences and it actually creates something beautiful and amazing and it's so powerful that Jesus says this is the key to moving forward as a church is our unity as we respond to the gospel others will be drawn to it why will people be drawn to the gospel as the church is one and and just one example of it is how our teams work together on a Sunday and during the week the answer is in verse 22 I have given them the glory you have given me may they be one as we are one what is the glory that jesus has given to those who when he's praying this prayer we're not even born yet right but when we make a decision of faith and we become a person of faith and we join a local church we begin to share in the glory that jesus gave us this is what he's praying about here and it's glory that he shares with his heavenly father what is this glory that jesus is sharing with his local church with to the gospel the gospel the message itself is the glory of god before the world began the father the son and the holy spirit were in perfect unity together the only thing missing is that they didn't have anyone to share it with and so the plan was to share the beauty of the fellowship that god experiences in and of himself with people that he would create hence the arrival of jesus christ and as recorded in his word and It's attested to by the power of the resurrection and we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. But the glory that Jesus has shared with the church is the story of the gospel, the power of the gospel, the message of the gospel. Because from the community's perspective, when they look at a local church, they begin to see something that looks like momentum. From the outside, it looks like, wow, look at that church. It looks like they have something going on. It looks like they have some momentum. So those of us who are spiritual it feels like we belong. It feels like we've found our place. To those on the outside, it looks like energy. How are they doing this? Where is this coming from? Where are the resources coming from? How is this moving forward? But to those, it looks like energy. To those of us on the inside, it feels like purpose because we're responding to a glorious message. To the outside, from the community's perspective, look at all this stuff they're always doing this church in the community it's like every couple of months they're doing something else and they're meeting regularly in a place that they didn't provide like what what to so the outside where is all this coming from how are they getting all of this stuff done and to us on the inside it feels like intentionality and the difference is is we have responded to the glorious message of the gospel and in so doing it we are proclaiming it and to those who are on the outside who have not responded to the gospel yet it looks like in, it looks like Momentum, it looks like energy. It looks like getting stuff done. But to those of us on the inside, it feels like belonging. It feels like purpose. It feels like intentionality. It feels like I'm coming alive in a new way as God is pouring his power through me to be a part of this team that is expanding the power of the glorious message. This is what Jesus is praying about. The message is glorious because it started in eternity past. And as we continue to move forward as a church, together, that message is broadcast week by week and day by day. How does this message actually move forward? Verse 23, as I wrap up our time together here this morning. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one. So the world may know you have sent me and have loved them. Interestingly enough, earlier in this prayer, in John chapter 17, Jesus says, I am not going to be on the planet anymore, but my disciples and my church is. If the world is ever going to experience the power of the unity that is to be in the kingdom to come, that God himself experiences, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're going to have to experience it through the church. And how is the church empowered? How is this gap between this earthly world How is it spanned? How is it crossed? How is that distance closed? And this is what happens every time. And if you notice in this verse, he's basically repeating what he said a couple verses before, except a few verses before. He says, may they also be one in us so the world may believe that you sent me. And this time he says that the world may know that you sent me. What spans the difference between observing a church in a community and believing that they're doing good things and knowing that there's a church in a community and actually becoming a part of the message? Sacrifice spans the gap, right? That transition from Jesus' earthly ministry to his continuing heavenly reign, there was a sacrifice in the middle. And we we celebrate that. We refer to it all the time. That's why we're going to take three weeks to take a look at the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that sacrifice spanned the gap. And so as the church moves forward, we have this glorious message and we move forward together as a team. And people can observe it. And people can engage in it. And people can hear about it. But the difference between believing that it exists. Yes, there is a church with a people and God is doing a thing. And knowing that there is a church and being a part of it is that the church moves forward sacrificially, following the model that Jesus Christ gave for us, hence our time of communion this morning, right? He said, do this in remembrance of me, remembering the sacrifice that I made for you to close the gap between heaven and earth, because Jesus is not on the planet anymore, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church is. And as we move forward sacrificially with our time and our resources and our energy and our hearts, Sacrifice that was modeled for us, we close that gap and the glorious message moves from believing that there is a glorious message to knowing that there is a glorious message because the church has led the way with sacrifice. And so this morning we remember, we are empowered by remembering as we take communion together this morning that Jesus closed the gap, he spanned the gap between his heavenly kingdom, which sounds like it's too good to be true. That different people from all walks of life would experience a degree of unity like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit experienced together. Yet this is what his thought was before he went to the cross. His last moments in ministry was him interceding for the church that we might understand and embrace and model the glorious message of salvation centered on faith in Jesus Christ and move forward as the church makes sacrifice. Find this morning. Uh, we're going to take our guidance from the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians chapter eleven. Um, however, before we get there, though, I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray over the communion elements. We are a double cup communion church, which simply means you'll take two cups at once. And the bottom cup is a little tiny piece of cracker, and the top cup is a little drink of juice. And if you're wondering if communion is for you, it's very simple. Has Jesus closed the gap in your life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord? Welcome to. If you haven't, I would simply say, why not start now? Because that gap is spanned by acknowledging through a decision of faith our unworthiness and His worthiness. And closing the gap can be as simple as something like this: Heavenly Father, I know that I do not deserve eternity with You. I do not deserve the kind of unity that You experience all the time with Your Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. I do not deserve to be accepted as a member of a local church. I don't bring anything to the table, but Father. as a sign that i'm serious i turn from everything that i know displeases you and i accept you by faith i want to be a part of that glorious message i want to be a part of your people on this planet i want to be a part of broadcasting this glorious message i'm willing to make sacrifices father to make that happen the lord's blessing on our conclusion of our service this morning and uh, the guys are gonna play for us a little bit and i'll come back together share with you one final passage and then we'll take communion together this morning would you join me as i pray Heavenly father it blows us away that as your son is heading out the door to give his life he's praying for us in faith he knew the power of the message that the disciples had in the core of their being they didn't know son they began preaching their hearts out and people responded and people responded and people responded and the power of your spirit dropped on those people and they gathered themselves together and it's so powerful that it hasn't stopped nor will it until you call your church home so father in specifically that he spanned the gap with his body as a sacrifice for our shortcomings, that we may fellowship the kind of experience, the kind of fellowship that you consider normal in your heavenly kingdom. So, Father, I pray that we would be repentant. I pray that we would be prayerful, and I pray that we would be joyful as we receive these elements. As